3: Hey, y'all. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe.
4: And I'm Cara Presley. And we are talking about Red Table Talk's gaslighting episode today. Phew. I mean, what an eye opener it was. Mm-hmm. We are diving deeper and deeper every week. I We're mean, definitely deeper into gaslighting today. And after watching Red Table Talk and listening to this episode, you should definitely be able to successfully spot and stop gaslighting in your life that's the key because who this
3: episode was a lot gaslighting first of all let's just understand what it is okay define it friend. gaslighting is psychologically manipulating someone into questioning what is actually true and today's episode omg rebecca was gaslighted to the nth degree was she not Mm-hmm. she was she was Oh, I was just watching in horror. It was just a lot. In shock, in anger. I, I had all those emotions. I had all those. And of course, empathy just hurts my feelings to know that someone is intentionally mistreating another person. You don't have to do that.
4: Yeah, I think when it comes to certain relationships where one person is definitely giving less That person is definitely the gaslighter. I feel like they're doing any and everything they can to just avoid that accountability for themselves, right? So they are pushing all on you and telling you how crazy you are. But once it is validated in your head, you do feel a sense of relief. I completely related to Rebecca on that. I can't wait to get into that in the episode because you start to rethink everything that happened in the relationship.
3: You know, there's been such a phenomenal light that has been shown on abuse and all the different ways that people are abused now.
4: Gaslighting is emotional abuse. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it just reminds you that women are always the one who are expected to, like, hold on to the relationship and sustain the relationship and make it right. Um, You think so? I think so. I feel like we're always, you know, quick to apologize. I feel mm. like a lot of women put it on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. You know, they think it's, they they end up making the relationship bigger than them. And when that's where your power is, you want to maintain it. Or if that's where you once got some power from.
3: It's interesting that you say that, Cara, because the one thing that I think that was interesting in this episode is that the gaslighting, with the exception of one, I think they did one scenario where the person that was the... The perpetrator was the female, but it is a universal idea that the people that are experiencing gaslighting are women, and that the men are the ones doing it. Right? People
4: probably I don't. I would want to like to it. know the numbers. Shout out to Sonia Holt. She is a person who is local in Richmond, and she often talks about domestic violence in the city, but. This piece of like gaslighting, one thing I love is she always brings examples from both sides. Oh, very good. It's not just all men or all women. So she'll bring in various examples at different events. I love that because, like you said, men are probably experiencing this. Men are experiencing this, too.
3: Physical abuse, financial abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse. It happens on both sides. And so I'm grateful to the person that is in Richmond and all over that are sharing and shining light and encouraging. Spreading awareness, because that's what we really need.
4: Now it's time to share what our online Red Table Talk community has to say about this episode. And um, they have a lot to say. So how yes, can it they off. Yes, they do. <laughs> right. All right, so to kick it off, Carla McEwen says, I'm continually being medically gaslighted by uneducated medical professionals regarding my endometriosis. I mean, my goodness. She said it's exhausting trying to be heard. I can oh. only imagine. Yeah. For sure. Carla, good night. We feel for you. Wow and
3: Carrie Goldman said this was a powerful episode that was explained so perfectly I have never related so much in my life not even while in therapy thank you for bringing light to this subject that so many of us
4: don't speak about
3: oh Carrie thank you that's so I'm nice
4: Shavante Scott says 13 years of this behavior and I'm still trying to get out of this relationship this opened my eyes so much thank you for having this talk and i think that's one of the things we even said as we were uh, thinking about this episode is i'm hoping that it really connects with someone who may not even realize it's happening so absolutely i'm glad you have that eye-opening moment sis Mm -hmm.
3: cc castro acosta said i got all of this and more from my ex-sister that quote-unquote raised me Mm. sadly it's also family members too oh Now that is really something. Gaslighting does not have any limits. There, there are no parameters, no discrimination, no barriers.
4: That part. That part. Anybody. Right. You know, we talk about culture a lot just in society and life. And the reality is if your culture is very like toxic and leading, that means everyone probably speaks that same way, not just the adults or, you know, the cousins, or it may be everyone in your family. So Protect yourself and just continue to learn what's going on. Nikki Hardy says, I wish I'd heard this term 10 to 15 years ago. I wouldn't have stayed so long. He made me question every single decision I made, completely broke me down. But after two years divorced, I'm slowly getting back to my better self. Good Yay, job, Nikki. We're happy Nikki. for you. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Well, we also got our very first voice message. So this is what Tammy Mobley has to say about her experience with gaslighting.
2: Hi, this is Tammy Mobley from Chester, Virginia, domestic violence survivor and advocate. Thank you, Red Table Talk, for bringing awareness in this segment on gaslighting. One in three women are in an unhealthy relationship. Abuse is about control and manipulation. And as a domestic violence survivor, I was abused for 14 years mentally and emotionally. There was times that I didn't think that my feelings were valid because I was told to stop my crocodile tears if I showed any type of emotion. I was told that all I had was a pretty face, so I started believing that. If I caught my ex-husband in a lie or he was cheating, he would turn the tables around to make me think that I was crazy or that what I saw or heard really didn't happen. It's so important that many women and men know the signs in an unhealthy relationship when it pertains to gaslighting. So thank you once again for bringing this to light. Thank you for sharing your platform once again.
3: Tammy Mobley, oh my goodness. Thank Listen. you first for sharing. And hearing
4: your voice makes so much impact for me. Mm-hmm. Cara, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean... No, yeah, it makes an impact. We need to make these connections. I think people yes. need to hear that other people are going through it. And not just for a little while. She said 14 years. Yes. 14 years. Shout out to Tammy for sharing and being yes. transparent.
3: What you're giving continues to be a gift to encourage and implore women to know that they, too, have the power to heal beyond the gaslighting and to move forward. Continue your great work, Tammy. Wow, I'm so proud. Facts, facts, facts. We love hearing from you and we want to hear from you. If you want to be featured on an episode, leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash let's red table that. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll be joined by one amazing guest.
7: Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With Black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering 1 billion dollars to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your
0: financial blueprint today at prudential.com/blueprints.
3: Time to welcome our guest to Let's Red Table
4: That. Carrie Wynn spent her formidable years in what she now identifies as an evangelical cult. And this is where she first experienced gaslighting. A couple of years after she graduated college, she found herself in a new gaslighting relationship, this time with a man 12 years older than she. The first few months felt great, thanks to her boyfriend's love bombing, but he quickly turned into an abusive person. And after almost a year, Carrie finally got out, thankfully. Carrie has been sharing about her gaslighting experience as a writer and relationship coach on her website for years now to try to help others out of codependent relationships. Welcome to Let's Red Table That, Carrie. Thank you, Cara and Tracy. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you so much. Let's just jump into it. We're gonna talk about the episode, and we're gonna kick it off with the part of the show with the moments that made us pause, rewind, and listen again. Wait, what is going on? So let's wait, talk about these moments, what? Tracy.
3: Right, lots of wait, <laughs> right moments Tracy. in this episode. Oh my goodness, and how. When Rebecca explained that she grew up so accustomed to being gaslighted by her boyfriend that she actually thought her view of reality was warped.
7: That was my birthday when those pictures were taken. But I'm there at home and I'm going, I know that I sort of have a, a weird perception of what reality is, but I feel like it's not okay for him to be out with another woman.
8: Okay,
3: have you ever been in a situation where you question your own judgment severely?
8: I can't pick just one, but I would say that it started from a very early age. My childhood set me up to be in a situation where down the road when anyone gave me pause, I didn't know what my truth was. So Mm -hmm. that led me to a lot of unhealthy relationships.
4: I can relate to that. I mean, just just the wanting to trust someone. So anytime you've been (laughs) manipulated in some way, no one wants to revisit it. And if it happens again, you definitely do start to think, is there something wrong with me? What am I doing to to cause this. And I think the biggest thing we all learn after talking about this episode is that it's not you, right? Like these people seek these things out, I feel like. I feel like they seek out the good qualities and the the good traits, which kind of goes into another another wait-what moment when Dr. Romney explains breadcrumbing. She described it as...
8: That's a process called bread crumbing,
4: yeah. where you get by on less and less. You
3: used to get a whole slice of bread. Now you're just getting a few crumbs, and you're calling it a meal.
4: I mean, not even the crust. It, it made me mad.
3: <laughs> Wait, not even the crust, Kara? <laughs> not even, <laughs> not the crust. even the crust. A crumb of the crust. <laughs> yeah, you get a crumb of the crust, and you call that a meal, and you feel satisfied from it. That's the part that's so difficult with the bread crumbing. Yeah. Kara, have you had an experience where you've experienced bread crumbing?
4: I have experienced breadcrumbing in, like, a past relationship. And at this point, it wasn't a relationship. It was a situationship, right? I think the person recognized yeah, okay. that I wanted more and because they were aware I wasn't quite getting it from anywhere else. I don't know mm-hmm. why women sometimes we date, like, we're married or date what one person, we jump all you know, in. hoping that it— Right, all the way, just mm. all the foot and the feet and the with ankles no and commitment. The knees. <laughs> right, no mm-hmm. commitment, just giving them our all. <laughs> they know it, and because they're probably dealing with multiple people, they're giving out less and less, and a little bit here or one grand gesture for the next month and or two. So, so yeah, I've, I've experienced it, and it's hurtful because you do start to think you're wanting too much or something. I can't even yes. really put it fully into words. I just knew that wasn't Or that you don't deserve okay. anything. Right. Okay. Right. Once I started to really see myself as whole and more and started affirming myself as you would say in other ways, then that relationship wasn't enough any longer. So
8: Oh good for you. I'm glad you got out Thank of it you. though. And re- recognize right? that. There's a scene from one of my favorite shows, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. This is a plug for the show. If you haven't watched it, watch it. But she has a song called Love Kernels. And in the song, she's singing Mm. about how she just wants these love kernels. Mm. And he'll give her one there, maybe maybe there. He'll be like, hey, will you pick up my laundry? And she's oh, I got one. And it just shows that when we're blinded and have those rose-colored glasses on, it's just so easy. We'll take basically anything and anything. try to tell Take us ourselves that it's love.
4: Anything. Yeah, oh, and in that so case, key. the go pick up my
8: dry cleaning
3: was really run an errand for me. But yeah. she just oh, took it as love. That part,
4: when I really realized, oh God, this is terrible what this is, before I knew it was a breadcrumbing term, I used to yeah. say just holding on to a little bit of something out of fear of having nothing at all. I can
8: think of one where for years and this wasn't an abusive situation it just was with a man that was very emotionally unavailable and for years we were Mm -hmm. friends but we weren't friends then i thought we were more than friends Mm -hmm. i remember on a birthday he sent me flowers and just did little things here and there that i thought we were going in a certain direction and we weren't Mm -hmm. and in that time i was definitely still dating other people but i think Mm -hmm. i was holding out hope for this one person Yeah, holding out hope.
3: The candle burning for the one, though. That was the one. And any little thing.
4: Yeah. The person you thought, right, right. Well, I think that also speaks to
8: maybe what's going on with ourselves because I don't think I, looking back, I don't think I was available either. So I was seeking that out without realizing it.
3: Now that is really good. That's a really powerful retrospective that you were not available emotionally either. Definitely. Therapy. Took years to figure that one
8: out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love know that you now, like but...
3: <laughs> the answer, therapy. One word, therapy, <laughs> therapy. It really therapy does, gotta we, find the right one. Absolutely, we encourage therapy here. And I'm glad that stigma's coming off of therapy now too, Carrie, so that people can say that unashamedly. You know, we need to be able to rely on professionals to help support us through certain things in our life. The phrases Rebecca's ex used and Dr. Romney shared that are commonly used by gaslighters Dr. Romney, what are more examples mm-hmm. of gaslighting? Stop being so sensitive. I've just told you your emotion is invalid. Let's just do a lightning round here. I'll read these off, and we can say if someone has used these gaslighting phrases on us or not. Okay, y'all ready? Okay, I'm ready. Fire away. All right. Stop being so sensitive.
4: Mm-hmm. Check. I've heard that in the workplace. I've heard that in the workplace as well.
3: Workplace, both of you, workplace. Okay, I need an example. Give me an example.
4: I just felt like I was being critiqued anyway. Now I was the only Black person in the workplace, so it was hard for me to have my voice heard or just be understood, I felt. And they definitely told me I was overly sensitive in an official write-up when we did our disc assessment. I couldn't believe it was on the paper, and bless their hearts, I think they thought that they were helping me.
8: Mm, um, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they right. thought that they were giving you productive feedback, that yeah. part. I had several very toxic bosses, and there was a situation where I was advocating for one of my customers. I just remember him telling me that I was being sensitive. I was emotional because I was a woman, just blamed it on me being a woman for me doing what was my job. Okay. Okay. So
3: here we go. Here's another one. You're crazy.
4: Yeah. Not that direct. I've got to know you're acting crazy.
8: I feel like we'd be hard-pressed to find a woman that hasn't heard some iteration of you're crazy. Of you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. That We do get that.
3: Okay, you must be paranoid. I have heard this one myself. What about y'all? Check. Not specifically. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Check. So my paranoid. you must be paranoid, was interestingly enough also workplace. We were in the break room, and I said something to correct or at least acknowledge that someone that, was in the break room had made a comment that was racially insensitive and they were like oh no Tracy you're just being paranoid you you know stop being so paranoid no one's out to get you like this isn't about you and I was like what the heck I'm not paranoid at all I heard what you said and I am going to correct you or at least offer the opportunity for you to be corrected what about you
8: Mine was not workplace. It was in the relationship with the older man that I dated that I'm sure we'll get more into later. But he was actually, there were nights where he would just disappear randomly for nights or even, I remember one time there was probably two or three days. And I'm not talking like he went in to the wilderness to have some spiritual experience. He just wouldn't answer me. And this was after we were in a very committed relationship. When he returned to Earth, or however you want to put it, I confronted him. And he constantly said, I was being paranoid. He wasn't doing anything. Well, lo and behold, found out after the relationship, he had five, six other girls he was messing around with.
3: Stop! Not five or six. Okay, this man had to be exhausted, but we are going to Get into that,
4: so are you on your period? Hmm. Oh, listen, I can relate to this one. I can relate to this one, and <laughs> I can't wait to tell y'all this story. Come on, we're ready. My son said it. <laughs> wait, what? Your son said it? And listen, and look at your guys' faces, because I'm going to tell you how he humbled me very quickly. So I had just bought groceries in the house, and I'm doing my mom thing, and I go in my room. My son was like, "Are you in your period?" And I'm like, why would you say that? What made you say that? And I immediately just got, I was triggered and upset. And he was like, because I didn't know if you wanted me to bring you these in your room or you want me to take it to the bathroom where you normally. He literally is putting the groceries away. That was such a plot twist. Wow, my heart. But I was triggered
8: just like you guys. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. Are you telling me
3: he was just bringing you some feminine hygiene products?
8: Sounds like you have him trained well, trained very well. Wow. (laughs) Great upbringing.
4: When he said it, when he said it, I immediately was like, oh my Lord, what son am I raising? But I was triggered and I almost completely took it out on him. Until I decided to say, please, please share with me your perspective as to why you asked me that.
8: Stop it. Oh, my gosh. That is the plot twist of the century. Okay. Thank you,
3: Carrie. All right. Let's see. Let's go to the next one. Can you take a joke?
4: Yeah. Or or the, I was just joking, trying to take the onus it off of just, them. Was, when it they... was just
3: a joke. Can't you take a joke?
8: Yeah.
4: <sighs> yeah. I Whew, can't, that, you weren't joking. Crazy. So, yeah.
8: I was in the car with my ex and we were driving back and he randomly went on a rant about how I needed to shave my face and that I was like super hairy. And I mean, you can see my face. And I just was baffled. And he went on and on and it created an insecurity that to this day, it's still there, even though I went to my friends and I was like, why would he say this? And then he was like, oh, I was just joking. I don't know why you're being so sensitive about it. But it it came out of nowhere and it just, I remember going home, buying some, and I never waxed. So I like bought my own at home wax and like burn off my Aww, own skin, like peeling it off. No. I know, and it was such a random out of the blue thing, but he created an insecurity. And then from there, I just started questioning everything
4: about myself. What did you think of this episode? Was it what you expected or were you feeling something else?
8: I feel like I have an unfair advantage since this is something I've written about and been versed in for the last few years. So I, because I was going to say even the doctor they brought on, I actually used to listen to her when I first started studying narcissism. So I loved how they navigated it. I thought the actress from The Crown, Rebecca, That story was heartbreaking, and it was just so powerful seeing that someone, even in that position, she's even being duped and being told that she's not worth it. Right. I mean, when she said that she was going on
3: auditions, and that's a point where you're super vulnerable, you're unsure, right? And you want the person that's in your corner to really cheerlead you to be like, yeah, good luck, but you probably won't get it. And support (laughs) you and be your fan. I mean, that is a sucker punch right in the gut.
4: If you're in that situation, you you almost start to try to convince them. No, like in the examples, that was, I enjoyed that part of the episode. So people could maybe see from the outside looking in, this is how it looks, right? Because when you love the person, you're looking in their eyes. Yep. I'm sure you can help us get into that, Carrie. Like you're looking in their eyes when... It's happening, and you're remembering the person who gave you the pillow talk and all the great vibes. And the thing is,
8: it always starts so subtly, right? It's like that classic parable about the burning frog in the water. You don't know what's happening. Like, imagine you meet someone, you're on a date, and he's like, that didn't happen. You're crazy. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. Bye-bye now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We haven't built a relationship yet. But when you're six months, a year, say you're married with kids, and someone starts with this behavior, you're not going to be equipped to deal with it. That
4: part. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, I can't wait to get into this. I have held my peace, so Carrie, let's go. We want to know more about how you were gaslighted Mm -hmm. in the evangelical cult you grew up in. The evangelical church as a whole is being critiqued a little more closely these days, especially by the newest generation. But clearly, some evangelical communities take controlling their congregations a step further
8: than others. Right? How were you gaslighted in your church? So I would say that it primarily came with how the women were treated versus the men, and from an early age, I remember being 11 or 12, and they would segment us. So girls one room, boys in another. And basically, they would sit us down and say how we were Jezebels, we were going to tempt the men, how we couldn't wear certain clothes, how we couldn't say certain things. And we were legitimately segmented to where I remember being 15 or 16, and a boy liked me, and it became The biggest outrage. We didn't even kiss. We didn't even hold hands. I think I tripped over his foot once at the park. But our parents all got called in a room with the leader of this church or pastor. It wasn't a conventional church. It was more of this own small community built this church. So we get brought in the room. It was me and another friend because she liked his brother Or something along those lines. And Mm -hmm. the parents just screaming at us, telling my parents how I was sending him messages late at night. And we just got treated as if we had committed the biggest crime. So Mm -hmm. from a very early age, I was being told, you're the reason that boys do this. You are the problem. He didn't message you. You're crazy, even though they pursued us. Obviously, that didn't matter once it came down to it.
3: How old were you, Carrie? How old was this?
8: 15 when this part happened. But let me tell you the best part. So the best part was that I wasn't allowed to talk to these boys who were my peers and some of my best friends, right? Like I couldn't date them. Mm. But these older men that were in the church like band were able to hang out with us unchaperoned. And one of them, one of them, my friend was 12 and he was 22. He pursued her. No one believed her. Her family tried to get him kicked out of the church. It didn't happen. And then when I was 16, what? he did the physical things with me. And I oh. ended up going with my dad to the pastor. And basically, I was told that it didn't happen. I put myself in the situation. And to this <gasps> day, he might still be at the church. Carrie. I'm
4: honestly Carrie. not sure. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. No. no, I know. And I actually
8: told my story. And I know that I actually had a friend that... Probably five years ago said that he went after his, I think, friend's little sister who was 15. So he would be, what, in his 30s, at 40s at this point? A predator. Yes, it happens so much more often than we think. It's like that the church wants us. I don't want to say the church because that's these religious groups at times, if not monitored. These people abusing their it's power. It's so horrific. Yes. Just
4: call it what it is. They're abusing yes, power. That's they're
8: abusing power. Amongst themselves. Yeah, sh- yeah hush, hush. And so I, in that situation, I remember he took me to a cave, which is the creepiest thing ever. And I came back home and I was like covered in dirt. And I remember no one asked me what happened. And I just was like, I did something wrong. I put myself in this situation. I thought he was my friend.
4: Oh, Carrie, They shamed you right on. Oh, my gosh. Into guilting yourself. No accountability on anyone else's part. No, absolutely power. No,
3: and
8: that, you know, that was one of many...
4: Right. Yeah.
3: And the fact that it's happening, potentially happening still in the church. Now, we say church. How are we distinguishing the difference between church and cult in your mind?
8: I would say that. It's difficult, but this was more of a small segment Mm -hmm. of people who left the quote unquote, Mm -hmm. think of the normal Christian church, Baptist church, whatever. They left this to create their own church because their beliefs were superior. And the other churches didn't have it right. We had the only true way to get to heaven. Everyone else is wrong. And then it's that control everyone from there.
3: Yeah, that's how cults are made cult one on one. And this literally, that behavior early on being basically shamed and then punished and not being seen or affirmed in the experiences that you had led you to evolve as you matured and having these horrific relationships in your future. Yes. Can you tell us about your relationship with your ex who gaslighted you and how (sighs) that relationship started and then turned
8: abusive? I can. And I would say before that, there was definitely a pattern and not every single one. Mm -hmm. I had perfectly good relationships, but I definitely didn't know how to set any kind of boundaries with the men in my life. And I had situations Mm -hmm. that looking back were not necessarily consensual, but Mm. I would always blame myself, push it aside, think it was normal. I would say legally I was of age, right? But there's a reason why he was in his late 30s going after someone in their early 20s. So we actually worked together and I had started this job, my first big city job outside of college. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was the first day of orientation and he walked through the door and I can still, he was wearing a yellow shirt, like these weird blue pants and a man bun. And I remember seeing him And instantly, this voice in my head said, he's dangerous, stay away. (gasps) In a way that was like this instant Mm. weird electricity attraction. And I remember him looking at me and it was like he felt it too. And within a Mm. few days, we were dating. I remember he like swept me off my feet. He met some friends. They thought he was amazing. We had this magical night and he looked at me and he said, you're everything I've ever wanted. And it was like this... Just mm. washing over me. It was like the love I'd always dreamed of out of fairy tales. So for about two, three months, everything was perfect. I met his friend group. Everyone welcomed me with open arms. We went on these special weekend trips and getaways. Yep. And then there was a night when we went to a party and I remember we were driving, that- and hes j- he just seemed off. He seemed angry, mm-hmm. and I was like, what's going on? And he was like, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. We get to the party. He's being strange. And then we went to leave, and he had maybe a couple beers. So I was like, hey, I'll drive. I haven't had anything to drink. And we get in the car, and he starts screaming at me that I'm a slut, that I was <gasps> flirting with everyone, that I threw myself at a guy at the party, and he ends up smashing my head against the window. <gasps> And we drive home and the next day we wake up and he's acting like everything's normal. I remember he kissed my head and was being super sweet. And I pulled away and I just said, do you realize what happened last night? And he looked horrified and confused. And he said, no. And I told him and he acted so ashamed. He said that he had no recollection of it. And by the end of it, I had separated the two incidents in my mind where it almost didn't happen. I was like, I can't even comprehend. I just disassociated and was like, there's no way that he would do this to
4: me. The the normal Mm. sweet person's back. Right. Everything's going to go back to normal. Well, you also just want to get back to the good stuff. Like, okay, maybe it's bad. We could work. I know he's been stressed. Right. What were you thinking? Oh, man. Before you got
3: home, what were you thinking in the car?
8: That was the first time I'd been emotionally abused prior, but that was the first time someone was that aggressive towards me. So I Mm -hmm. honestly think I wasn't shocked. I remember driving and just feeling this coldness like in me. Mm -hmm. And I just I think denial. It was instant Mm. just get home. Mm-hmm. And we'll deal with this tomorrow. And I honestly, mm-hmm. at that point in my life, I'd gotten so good at compartmentalizing things mm-hmm. that I just put it aside and was like, I can't, I can't accept this. Because if I accept this, that means that everything else was a lie. And I...
5: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
7: Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With Black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering 1 billion dollars to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com/blueprints.
0: At that point, I just
8: wasn't ready to do that.
4: We talked a little bit already about how Rebecca thought she didn't have a grasp on reality because of being gaslighted for years. Her ex was just so brazen in his lies by the end. So, Carrie, were there times that your ex gaslighted you even about things that should have been so obviously incorrect? Yes,
8: absolutely. There were Mm. several that I had definitive proof of. I think it was Christmas or New Year's and we got in an argument and he pushed me. On the ground, and I was in shock, and my friend saw it, and after that, oh, right. I ended up spending the mm. night at a friend's, and then seeing him the next day, and he just flat out said, that didn't happen, you slipped. <gasps> like, I didn't touch you. Oh my gosh. I know. And then there was a second time where he actually was very financially abusive as well, and mm. I ended up spending thousands of dollars. And keep in mind, we have the same job. It wasn't as if I was out-earning him by a lot of money, but basically we would go on trips and I would spend money on everything. And it was strange because I honestly didn't notice it at first. It was very small here and there. And then I ended up pulling my bank statement because I was like something, I know he's not really contributing. I started to realize it Uh and I wrote down line by line. I remember with my pen, line by line, wrote everything out, I'm like nine, one, whatever. You went to the store and I paid for all the groceries. Presented him with this Mm. And he just sat there And said This isn't This isn't right You made this up You're being so dramatic No No Just wouldn't even accept The hard truth In his hand
4: It's the Lack of accountability And audacity For me I just cannot believe I can believe it actually I guess I can I can believe I just want to acknowledge How much I
3: applaud you For not being On an episode Of Snapped Okay
4: That part (laughs) I really do,
3: because just hearing this, it's just, I'm boiling because I'm just so angry knowing that someone is doing this to another person intentionally.
8: I was angry for a very long time. There's a reason that I started doing what I do and writing about this and working with the other victims. Mm -hmm. I hadn't found anything else in my life I was this passionate about until I went Mm -hmm. through it and realized Mm. this is happening a lot
4: more than we think. It really is. I'm so glad that you were able to unpack it and see the patterns and want to change. That is key. Because otherwise, people just continue to look for that same breadcrumbing love, love bombing, and just pieces of... And then the wishful thinking of just hoping things will change. And you look up and it's been years.
3: And finding a purpose. That could be a positive outcome from all of this is also a a true gift and that you're helping other people.
4: Thank
8: you. Right. Thank you. That's That's, the one silver lining of the, honestly, it's the silver lining of the experience. I
4: ask you before Tracy goes on to her next piece. How is your faith after having, you know, the the cult experience with the Mm -hmm. church and then having the relationship? Do you have a faith base that you feel is more successful that you've been able to establish for yourself since you left them?
8: Oh, that's a great question. I would like to say Mm -hmm. I'm spiritually homeless or agnostic, (laughs) Mm. but I am not Mm -hmm. against religion in any way. I'm against some of the things that come out of it and some of the abuse that we've seen in some of the bigger organized religions. But I would say I'm still very open to different spiritual paths. But As of now, I haven't found one that's specifically that I would put a name to it, if that makes sense.
0: That no,
4: I, and I respect that, sense. and I'm glad to hear it, because I, I know that sometimes people are just turned off altogether, don't Absolutely. even want to. So I'm, I'm glad that you are open, and I hope that you just find that space, whatever that is yes, for Yes, thank you. Dr.
3: Romney made a very important distinction at the Red Table between liars and gaslighters. She said, you can bring a liar around when you bring evidence. A gaslighter will double down on their deceit when you catch them, and they'll turn it into, you're crazy. Can you tell us about a time when you went on vacation and he tried to deny his financial abuse? This right. joker, I'm telling you.
8: Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there is a happy ending to this story. So don't worry. This wasn't the end of my dating that life. Part. <laughs> well, that thank part. goodness. We had several situations where we would go on trips. I don't even know if I want to call it A vacation because you know i was Mm. i was the one paying for everything so we couldn't really do really lavish trips it was he was on vacation he was on vacation (laughs) and i was supplying his life habits so that was great but the thing is if he were to admit that i was paying for everything and that he wasn't contributing to the relationship the gig would be up right like they right the correct. Right. Then I realized, oh, I'm right, which is a validation he doesn't want me, and like realization he doesn't want me to have. So there were there were several right. trips where he would forget his credit card, and, and then he would tell me, oh, I'll get just pay. It'll be it'll be fine, whatever. And then later mm-hmm. I would bring it up, and he would just say, no, like we went half on that. Like I'm not financially abusing you. I'm contributing. He would constantly huh. say he contributed. <laughs> And yeah. I even at one point called him out because I said, you don't even contribute with your friends. And he tried to tell me that mm. he did contribute because he brought the bongo drums and contributed to the musical no. creative aspect no. of the gatherings. <laughs> okay, okay, oh, Gary, boy. could he play
1: the bongos? You know, I mean, yeah, he yeah, could play least, the bongos. Okay. Is, okay, I was like, was just, he like, you this know, is true. that
3: sounded like a professional bongo player. Like he should have been touring <laughs> with Sheila E. And it's a percussionist. Oh, what is he talking about? that's not brought the bongos.
8: Okay. Absolutely not. Absolutely
3: not. I contributed. <laughs> I brought the bongos. No, you're bongos, sir.
8: But that was the thing. Right. No accountability. He somehow spun it to where he genuinely projected that conviction that he was contributing. And I was like, how do you argue with the bongos? I don't know.
3: What Narcissist in the world unite. can you say with the bongos? Dude, what is
8: your deal? <laughs> he thought he was the prize. Oh, he did. He did. He thought he was bringing that talent, everyone gather around. Did you meet his oh, parents, Carrie? Yeah. I met his mother, who was quite narcissistic as well, which I'm sure is where some okay. of this came from. He didn't have a relationship yeah. with
4: his father. That's it. That is yep. it. Because I was like, it's either one of two things. He's either like a sociopath, yep. and his parents are done with him, yep. and they don't even know. No, with no. Him. Or it was classic. He is exerting his control because he had none. As it, a kid. That's exactly that's what, what, I'm what happened. He was a
3: chip yeah. off the block.
4: Yep. Mm -hmm. 100% (sighs) fix it lord okay carrie when you were able to finally see your ex for who he was and what he was what was that like for you (sighs) oh
8: i feel like it was a bunch of little things but i remember Mm -hmm. i had a trip planned with my best friend and i got away for a weekend and i know that sounds so Mm -hmm small, but we went to Nashville. I went to this concert of a small musician I love and I ended up front and center stage and he like threw me his guitar pick and I just remember standing there and I, I was having this like beautiful life moment and I thought to myself, this is not going to exist if I don't leave. My ex, it just snapped in a place and I felt this peace and I felt like myself again. Mm -hmm. I knew not to end things on Mm -hmm. right then and there. So I waited till we got back. I made sure that his roommates were home and I went and I ended things. And I have never had someone react so strangely in my entire life. And I remember sitting on the bed and I had constructed a very, I'm still, to my core, I am kind. Even breaking up with someone like this, I do it, I'm not... I could have said so many things, but ultimately I just said, I'm not myself with you. I don't feel free. I don't Mm. feel supported. And I'm going to go be with someone who makes me feel that way. And he kind of fought for it. And then it was like a switch and he just stands up and he starts cleaning his room and throwing stuff in a bag. And I sat there And I slowly got the few things I still had in the room. I went to leave and I got in my car and he like walked by to go to the trash. And he looked back at me and I have never at any other point in my life had someone look at me like they wanted to kill me. Like in his eyes, I've never seen such hatred. Just hatred. Mm. It was absolutely chilling. Like to this day, I can still remember how it was.
4: (sighs) I bet, because now he's thinking I have to go start with someone else.
8: That is so scary. Had you
3: had any therapy at that point?
4: No, I had not had any therapy at that point. So this
8: is how I figured out what was happening is I had started... Googling his behaviors. And at the time, honestly, there wasn't a lot about narcissism. And I found information and I started reading people's stories. And I went down this rabbit hole. I was validated. I was like, other people are experiencing this. This is not normal. I'd had relationships. I knew that something was off. And Mm -hmm. the number one thing Mm -hmm. I read Mm -hmm. was to make sure that I planned how I was going to leave and make sure that I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is we weren't at a stage where we lived together. We didn't have kids, which made... It's a lot easier for me than a lot of other victims who don't have it that easy.
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Where they're mm. literally financially intertwined, or they have children, or they occupy a space that they share. That's, that's important. Gosh, wow. Cool. I, I, you were so
8: brave. Thank you. <laughs> so right. brave. I, there was no option. <laughs>
4: I think it was just, there was no, I knew if I didn't leave, I would die. You would have. And if you would have died physically, there is an internal death that yes. can happen when you're minimized constantly.
3: And what I heard with the concert experience was like you finally got outside in the sun. You were like, mm-hmm. so this is what it's like to be free and have fresh air and to have some light in my life and some joy in my
8: heart. I could breathe again for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. And
4: after a while, Mm -hmm. you don't think it's possible, I feel like. You you start to think, I guess this is just, my I love them.
3: Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The opening theme music Snapped is just running in in loops in my head. I'm telling you, Tracy. I feel like you're gonna snap
8: for me. I feel like there's I know, gonna. I know. Tenya, no. A decade later, Tracy right. goes in for revenge.
4: Right. Don't <laughs> don't
3: let me go there. <laughs> I'm all about right. the that, long game. It's crazy. Oh man. <laughs> it's good. I wasn't in your friend group at the time. Okay. Right. I mean, I'm all about peace, but there's some things that <laughs> this man has earned. Okay. Agreed. Dr. Romney had some very clear advice for people getting out of relationships with narcissists and gaslighters. She said, When people are in their post-gaslighting, post-narcissistic phase, I prescribe a 12-month detox. Absolutely. No relationships, no sex, Yep, get a vibrator, call it a day, but you are not touching (laughs) anyone. You need to find you. You need to figure out what
4: kind of pizza you like. You need to figure out what music you really do like. You need to figure out what temperature you want that thermostat on. Or you're gonna fall susceptible. It's the toy for me. Toys don't talk back. She was clear about it. I mean, I love it. Mm -hmm. That's what
3: I love about Dr. Romney. She pulls no punches. What advice do you have, Carrie, for people experiencing gaslighting?
8: Mm, I was going to say, I don't think I heard that from Dr. Romney when I ended things. So I can't say (laughs) I followed the same advice. But I will say it was a year before I was in a committed relationship again. So at least half of the way there. But I would say it's hard to give advice if someone doesn't know that they're in this situation. So I would just say if if something Mm. feels off listen to your gut. Luckily, we live in a day and age when there's a lot of information available on the internet, even now on apps like Instagram, TikTok, anything. There's a lot of people bringing awareness to this, whether it's gaslighting, narcissism, psychological abuse. So I would just say, if you feel like something's off, start researching what's happening. And you might find that someone else has that advice or you can get validated that they're going through the same thing. And Mm -hmm. then from there, you can start... Mm -hmm. Planning what you're going to do next, because I think half the battle or almost the full battle is even recognizing what's happening. Right. That's good advice.
4: Of course, we're going to wind down soon, but we have to ask you before we head out. Carrie, what is life like with this happy ending? You shared that it's it's successful so far yes, today. So how are you? It. How have you been? Yes. So Well, I have been very well. I actually just
8: got married Oh, June. congratulations! Thank oh,
3: that's you. Congratulations. That's Thank wonderful. you. Wonderful, newlywed. It was
8: amazing. We've been together almost five years. So he nice. was absolutely amazing. We met, and I was just starting therapy. I was having PTSD, yeah. and he was so supportive of everything. And I don't want to credit someone else for my healing, right. but I will say that having a partner. Mm-hmm. Who understood, who took the time to really understand my trauma. He hadn't dated mm-hmm. anyone who had gone through that. And he took the time to figure out why I was maybe projecting things from the past on him and how mm. to really aid in my healing and be supportive. And it was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So no, we have an amazing life together. We love to travel. We have Yay! a golden retriever. That's just the fluffiest oh. in all the lands. <laughs> but it's it honestly, the family for me. Yes. But I would just say that. I think so many people can get in a situation where they think this is it. And I would just say I did get to a place where I was happy and content to be alone. And that, it sounds so cliche, Mm -hmm. but I kid you not, that's when I met my husband around the same time.
3: Because you had found your, you were whole.
8: You I had whole. made
3: yourself whole. So you yes. weren't looking for someone else to fill you up and make you whole. No. You were on your own a whole person. So you could bring mm-hmm. your whole self to a relationship and be healthy and
4: happy. Oh, that's so I good. love that for you. Yes, I love that oh, for you. thank you so much,
8: Tracy and Carol. Oh my gosh, this
3: feels I'm like therapy happy for me. For you, oh my <laughs> gosh. I mean Listen, Cara and I could talk to you another two hours <laughs> and f- two. So we could, keep, I mean, we talk, could keep
4: talking. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh,
3: happy But hours? We don't want <laughs> We don't want to wear you <laughs> out, but we have love, sure. love, love, love having you here. You have been just such a phenomenal guest with us.
8: Thank you so much. I will enjoy it. And if my story can help anyone out there, then once again, it's worth it. Where can people find you, though? Yeah, because you're doing good work. Yes, thank you. I have a blog, but I primarily write on Medium. You can just search for me, Carrie Wynn, C-A-R-R-I-E-W-Y-N-N. And then otherwise, I'm on Instagram, Carrie underscore Wynn Musings. Thank you for
4: coming to the virtual Red Table. It was great to be here. (laughs) We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We are open to talk about anything with you all. So please send in your questions at Let's Red Table That and RedTableTalk.com.
3: And speaking of listeners, we want to thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Rate us a five. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That.
4: A big thank you to our executive producers Jada Pinkett Smith, Ellen Rakuten, and Fallon Jethro, and thank you to our producer Kyla Kineru
3: and our associate producer Yolanda Chow.
4: And finally, thank you to our sound engineers Calvin Bayless
3: and Devin Donaghy. We love you. Let's red tape. Let's, Let's red, red tape that. that. Let's red tape. Let's red table that.
4: Okay. Is that the church version? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>